Hello, and welcome to Artistas in the Capital. My name is Norma Sorto, and I'm your host for Ola Cultura's brand new monthly podcast, featuring interviews with Latinx artists in the Washington area. The queer community in the United States has come a long way in terms of social acceptance. In fact, Washington, D.C. has the highest percentage of LGBTQI plus residents of any place in the country, with about one in every 10 residents identifying as queer, according to a 2019 report by the UCLA School of Law. Our guest for our first episode, Armando Lopez Bracan, is part of D.C.'s queer Latinx community. Armando, who identifies as they, them, is also part of the long tradition of queer people using art as an outlet of expression. They are an extended reality artist who connects their queer and Latinx sides to create a digital and physical wearable art with a gender-fluid Latinx and queer eco-feminist lens. However, Amando is one of few as Latinx representation in the art world is minimal. Despite growing criticism of an art world that forces Latinx artists to conform to an Anglo-centric perspective, Nationwide, Latinx artists today make up less than 3% of artists shown in the most famous museums. Armando is working to change that. Growing up in the Dominican Republic, Armando says colonialism, cultural trauma, and career exploration has influenced their work. In D.C., they have created a niche for artwork in spaces not typically considered queer, which has helped them reclaim their queer identity in a Latinx context. Here is our interview with Armando. Conducted by Spell participant Olivia Dre back in October of 2022. Hi, my name is Armando Lopez Virgang, and I'm a Latinx artist based in Washington, D.C. So, how did you become an artist? Can you kind of briefly share what inspired you to get into art making in the first place? My family early on was very art positive. My dad is an architect and he went to school at a time in the 70s where it was pre-digital and like his job was to make the renderings in like watercolors of like technical perspective drawings. That was his job. And it's something that like computers took over, right? Somewhere in the 90s. So like he always understood arts as a trade and as work. That was something that he encouraged and like my family encouraged in general. So I guess I developed talent right through that encouragement of my parents being proud of being able to make stuff and him being an architect too, as he like progressed in his career, did like urbanism and stuff. It's sort of understanding like why and how things work and. For me, I found so much joy in the arts personally, like in my downtime. And it wasn't really escapism as a kid. It was empowerment, I feel. And it connected me culturally to the rest of the world because I grew up in a time with globalization, like with the Internet as like a teenager or even like preteen. So the arts always connected me to like empowerment and like something that I could sort of give other people or like share. I can kind of see that in your art. Like, I can see that empowerment and that real passion. So that's super cool. Why did you want to take a, quote, gender fluid, Latinx, queer, eco, feminist lens approach to your art? Well, I guess for the queerness, I've always been very queer. Like, I was her in the group. I always, like, feminine culture was always my favorite. And I guess that makes me have, like, trans experience. Although, like, to me also, like, dressing up and 
a lot of the kind of fashion influences that I had, things I saw on the internet or even on MySpace, which was like pre-Facebook, but really centered around music and visual arts. And there were just so many like club kids there that were very queer and like androgynous and sort of like taking the torch of what happened in the 70s and 80s. And it was like happening in the early 2000s. So to me, I always saw like very queer people being themselves. And even though I felt like the only one where I grew up in Dominican Republic, you know, that was always like a part of me that I knew wasn't like wrong or like I knew was there and like I could nurture through the arts. So I've always been gender fluid and have sort of done all the like gays, you know, being a go-go boy turned drag queen and like then finding myself in like fine art spaces doing kind of queer performance or like art making for people that necessarily weren't queer, which was interesting. And then I grew up in Dominican Republic and I have dual citizenship, even though my parents just maintain residence and aren't citizens themselves. So, like, I was able to come here for school, and I grew up in a resort area in Dominican Republic, so I was very connected to, like, the outdoors. It was just, like, a family thing, too. So, like, I grew up sailing and going to the beach three or four times a week, and I was just very connected to, like, the local coastal environment, and also, like, my family's from, like, a sort of pine forest mountainous region. So we like did camping and stuff, which was like unusual for people unless you're like from a region where you enjoy the outdoors and like its simplest form. You know, I've been here since 2008 when I came for college in these last 12 years or so. I've just seen the environment change a lot. And I just love queer expression and like the the power that like musicians or, or like drag queens, drag kings, drag artists have to like create value, cultural value, and give value to things through, like, the celebration of, like, your values through, like, beauty and, like, visual art sort of just design principles. So mixing sort of, like, queer liberation and and also, like, queer feminism explained a lot of, like, colonial sort of cultural trauma that I experienced growing up, which informs my art. And, and just say it short, like, Gay men are called pajaros in Dominican Republic, and that's just a colonial strategy to like dehumanize queer people of color and turn them into animals, right? Take their rights away. And that could be celebrated, right? And reclaiming terms like that, sort of like the ecofeminist lens looks at colonialism and like all those strategies that date back to like witch burnings and different things. So it all just explains a lot of things that I did intuitively and then it kind of led me to, you know, creating something cute. I've been doing this sort of drag digitally now is something I've been working on. And it's just like more sustainable, but then I'm trying to use themes of like making like environmentalism cool, like making people like think about it more and reflect on it because they like art that expresses those values. I like how you like weave all these things together. Like they're all very different, but you weave them together in a very creative way, which is like super awesome. So I guess like, where do you find your inspiration for the symbolism in your art? Like any more specific examples? Cause I see a lot of symbolism in your art. So you want to like expand more kind of on that? Yeah. I guess some of the earliest experiences of like art were in places like churches uh, growing up, you know, these are like beautiful temples. I didn't grow up in a place that like had an art museum, for example. 
So that was like the closest experience and sort of the feeling of awe when you walk into like a room and you see these symbols that tell these stories that you've been taught, but you also like, it helps you tell a story quickly and things like the tarot or oracle decks have also been like interesting to me and, and also just really like, you know, digging into like my favorite things and sort of not apologizing for like what those are or it's sort of like I've always known who I was and we all do, <laughs> but it's sort of when you start seeing like you understand why those things were appealing to you, you know, your connection. So my inspiration, a lot of it's from pop culture, you know, some of my favorite things that have helped me and been very therapeutic are like musicians that are very visual, like Bjork or like other divas and all other people that are very like involved in their process and have sort of like a magical surrealism to like the way they tell very normal stories. So like, making them fantastical or like fantasy based or even like sci-fi, you know, my work is sort of like a very low end, like low resolution part of like the future that exists already. Like, uh, you know, these sort of augmented reality filters or videos that I do that feel very futuristic, but it's very of like the times and sort of also sharing these like we think the future is so far away and we just need to create a, like equity and access to like a lot of things, but also a lot of new concerns that have to do with like technology and always trying to have like an optimistic view of it because ultimately it is a tool that we all just get to use. So like I'm using sort of utopian aesthetics to talk about dystopian like problems that we have or futures that we imagine. So to me, the concerns are very real, even though it's a magical fairy sort of wrapping that I'm like using in my artwork. So what does it mean for you to be an artist that represents the queer Latinx community? Like, what does it mean for you? You know, queerness, it's a definition that changes over time, depending on what is considered mainstream or like what is very popular. So. I think that to have sort of uh, eco-feminist values, so to have like your decisions be like through a value system of like caring about like your decisions as a consumer is like outside of the norm with things like RuPaul's Drag Race and there being kind of now this different awareness about people with different gender identities and there's like this other aspect now that it's very tied into like empowering it through like capitalism or like what it means to be successful in like these systems of mainstream and a lot of it involves a lot of new plastic and things that aren't sustainable they thrive in industries that are very damaging to our future in general right so i'm so glad that this is all happening and that we're having this kind of like new like gender and sexuality sort of like renaissance in general and culture and there's still a lot of work to be done but I feel that there's a lot of people like me that don't get featured in these spaces for a lot of different reasons. And there's a lot of alternatives to the Latinx experience. So like, I'm just trying to be sort of like, as like authentic to my experience, whether that means that at times I'm a cliche or not, but also like showing that a queer Dominican person is high tech and is sort of like on the avant-garde of like media and understands sort of like the current landscape on the internet. And like, you know, cause a lot of the narratives around sort of my country and people like me are, I feel sometimes stuck like 300 years in the past or something. There's just like a lot of like, we stepped back a lot in terms of like human rights and like a lot of things that are happening there. 
I would like to be there, but I'm not, you know? So to me, I've always sort of been in like a state of survival. And I hope that through my art, I'm able to sort of be vulnerable enough to let people know that like, it's like a struggle. Sometimes you need to make tough decisions or sacrifices, but you need to like ultimately trust your gut and like keep moving in a direction. And I don't have really like a, how do I say this? Like a big reach with my artwork at the moment, but you kind of never know where it could go. And I guess just me existing in these spaces where I'm sort of carving out this niche or like moving through like spaces where I'm the only person like myself, a lot of my career in the the arts, I've sort of like felt a lot that nobody gets it. Nobody kind of cares. I feel like the only person in the room that's like a Latinx queer person. And it's been really hard for me to like find that community. So in a way, I'm also reaching out to like become more specific the older I get, because I really want to draw people like you, like Cola Cultura, to like really dig into these things that for 10 years I haven't been able to when in your art career were you like this is what I'm going to do this is the focus you know like when did that kind of come about was there a specific project where like okay this was really powerful for me like I'm going to move on and kind of do this so before I went to college I went to community college first before going to college full-time I just took like a class or two and I started working in art galleries and then the art galleries taking me places to like satellite art fairs. And I was like, okay, I guess I can commit to this. There's like a world and I'm already like in it. So I, I guess I took that more seriously, like being an artist full time. I guess the other way I saw that other people did it was through music, but I didn't have that kind of training or support or experience really to like take it there. And So I went to college and focused on fine art at the Corcoran, which is this like small museum by the White House that had like a very small school with like 500 people in it. And that was like a very intimate setting with like professional artists that, you know, were really realistic about the expectations of being an artist. And like, you're always going to have a part time job and then you're going to do whatever you want, like the other 20 hours and then you rest. Right. (laughs) But I did some wearable art. Nick Cave was becoming very popular at the time. He has these sound suits that look a lot like carnival wear or like West African trance dancing or like folklore. And then I started making these like bird outfits, Bajaro outfits, because like people always made me feel my femininity like in a bad way. And the more I sort of learned about like scientific stuff, to be flamboyant as a male is actually a more of a male trait because of like peacocks and like all sorts of like animals and So it's weird that we like flip it and like enforce it, that kind of gender role or whatever. So I started making these bird outfits that would just open up and that became successful. And I was really interested in like getting paid for my time and not for like the objects I made. I'm not interested in making luxury commodities and performance art. And I used to make a lot of video work. So people would pay me to show up in my wearable art to like events and That was successful for a while, and then I had to stop because it wasn't sustainable materially and economically. Like, back then in 2013, there weren't a lot of, like, eco-friendly options for the kind of work I was doing without making it, like, super-duper expensive or, like, too much for, (laughs) for, like, what I could do. So then that's why I do digital stuff now, and it led me, like, on this other path where now, like, the wearable arts 
sculpture is now digital, but it feels very much the same. I just have less storage. (laughs) I see you kind of as a social activist, really. And so my question is, like, is there anybody specifically who has inspired your social activism or artists that kind of played into that? Some of the music that I listened to growing up, they were like revolutionary sort of like singer songwriters that sort of sparked my interest in like, you know, these sort of 70s songs that were about like social problems. Even like Shakira, right? At, at the beginning, Quienes Son Los Ladrones? Like that Alanis like version of Shakira is very like, you know, calling out all the like woes in like society. There are a lot of like very sex positive people in my space, like, Peaches and, and then people like Bjork to me were also very pushing like human aesthetics and connections to like other aesthetics. It was kind of weird that she was so popular and she's always had this sort of like biomimicry to the, the work she produces. And then I guess recently there's people like Princess Nokia that are just doing like amazing work. Even though they're like in the music pop sphere, they're just doing a lot of great cultural work and even like addressing indigeneity in the Caribbean and people like Lido Pimienta are also like amazing in the way that they are really, you know, creating new values in like traditional indigenous culture and just writing different songs that have different values other than just consumer kind of wealth type of things. So it's a little strange because even though I work a lot with visual arts, a lot of my references are musical people. The kind of writing and storytelling is like an important part that I am like working towards doing more, like telling more of a story through like a cabaret or like sort of video way. Now it's kind of where I'm headed in my career or what I'm trying to do. Yeah, wow. It sounds like you've had like a lot, like a whole blend of a lot of influences from little to like now. So that's, that's really fascinating. I didn't realize you had so many. That's awesome. But overall, what do you want people in the queer Latinx community to feel when they view your art? You've kind of mentioned like to feel empowered, but like what else would you want them to feel and take away? I feel like. I want to hear what they have to say. Like, let me know, because I feel like a lot of the stuff I create very authentically to like what I want and what I like enjoy. And it feels very niche to me, but I need to trust that because that's sort of like a great piece of advice I've heard from other artists that it's sort of like the more specific and like you are and you're not really trying to communicate. I mean, you still need to use like design tools to like do it effectively, but if you're very specific to your experience and what you like aesthetically and what you value culturally, more people are going to relate to it, actually. It's counterintuitive. So I just like to hear, because it's always to me when I hear that people have different perspectives, it like informs my work and my thinking process. And that's like one of the things about art school. It's like, you get to hear things you didn't expect that are valid about your work, right? (laughs) It helps you grow because then you have more to like think about next time you like are making decisions or creating new work. So I hope they enjoy it and they want to like see it again. Like I'm someone that goes and watches music videos on YouTube for fun that I've like seen a thousand (laughs) times, you know? So like, I guess that's where I'm trying to get at and stuff that's kind of fun and informational too. Like, yeah. 
don't know. No, that, that totally makes sense. There's a lot. I, I guess I'm not an artist. So I didn't think of that kind of complex city of like knowing what people are getting and kind of, you, you know, you put it out there and you just see what they are getting from it. So I guess what do you kind of want people who are not in the Latinx queer community? Like, what do you kind of want them to take from your art? I'm not sure how to answer this because I'm trying to get to a place where I guess I don't need to explain it anymore, like the work. And I feel like a lot of my experience, like I've stopped making stuff in Spanish for a while because nobody spoke Spanish in the spaces where I was getting hired or like the music was getting played. So it was just like nobody would really get it. And I'm still trying to communicate feelings or like, you know, ambivalent perspectives or stories about like lived experiences and it it just doesn't like if you don't get it like it's not bad don't worry about it it's not for you or something that's kind of just where I'm at because I've just had such a hard time connecting through my artwork to other people you know and it's been like a survival thing for me it's been my skill and my like what gives me worth and work and I'd like that to continue to grow but it's also like I guess I haven't gotten to a place where, like, it's so refined that, like, anyone could sort of jump in and get it. You need some, like, understanding of, like, video games or, like, the internet or, like, some... I guess you don't need the language right now, but I've been making a lot of work this year that I haven't put out that is a lot in Spanish because my first language is Spanish. I speak Spanish to my whole family, and, like, I felt like I've lost some of that by like being in the states and surviving here and like i don't want to lose it so like i guess i'm getting more to a place where like i'm less concerned with someone that doesn't have access to some of the cultural affordances or like things that you need to like enjoy it i'm trying to make stuff that is just enjoyable also like on like a senses level right where like it just sounds good, the music sounds good, and you can tell it's sad, and something's happening, and he lost something, and, like, you know, like, I'm trying to get to that pop level where, like, most people can enjoy it for just beauty or what it is, but I guess right now I'm not there. It's a little esoteric and (laughs) specific. I see your work as something that will inspire, you know, younger artists. So, is there a way, like, you want to inspire the young queer Latinx artists? You want them to be innovative, really touch the digital skills? Like, you know, how would you like to see that? I guess one of the ways, and it's something I've been working on, I did a wherewithal research project that was through the Washington Project of the Arts, and I'm ready to, like, share a lot of, like, my process and how I, like, do the things that I do because it's not really out there, and it's kind of new happened like during the pandemic like at the beginning of it it's kind of when all this technology became consumer available so I guess one of the ways is that like as long as you can get like a connection to like the internet somehow and like a computer like you can sort of participate and you can like get those skills a lot of what I use is like either free in quotes because they have your data or something at like social media apps or is open source. So there's like a lot of like software development communities. There's a lot of free resources and you can do professional grade work with free resources that are maintained and are going to work for you. So like if you have the time, there's like a lot of ways for you to empower yourself through like digital work. 
And I guess the other things is to like trust your gut and like pivot and fail fast. If something isn't working, no matter like how much time you like spend on it, like if it's not working, figure out why and try to like change that or find something that is similar and you're not going to lose like skills or like education or awareness. It's just going to like inform everything you do. Even if you think you have something that is like worth pursuing, like it looks shiny and whatever, but like it's bad for your health in like a lot of ways, like mentally and physically, like stop and pivot and try to find a way to make it work for you. Like it just needs to work for you. I think a lot of like younger people, especially people who are trying to get into art, like they need to hear that. Like it's okay to fail and you learn from those failures. So that will probably be very helpful for them to hear. Also, take care of your body. Get an ergonomic <laughs> mouse and keyboard so you don't have carpal tunnel like me and oh, don't no. feel old when you're like 32. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Armando, for your interview with Olocotura. Join us next month where we speak with Hannah Musaman, a German Latina researching the social impact telenovelas have had throughout their history at the Gumolab. For updates on episodes and Latinx events in the D.C. area, follow us on Instagram at DC. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Artistas in the Capital. To get involved in Latinx arts, culture, and humanities in D.C., sign up to join our SPOL program and visit olocotura.com. <laughs>